0: on this episode of In The Rack Podcast. The herbal path is a pharmacy, but it's a pharmacy without prescription medication. And what we're really looking at is a return to pharmacy's roots. Because if you look back through ancient tradition, a lot of the first therapeutics, they, they came from plants. What's this? What's
1: this? What you got? In The Rack Podcast, where we provide you with a practical framework for breaking PRs in all facets of health and wellness. We are just a couple of bros giving you the simple hows in a world of complex wants. No filters, no scripts, no rules, just straight talk. Talk to him. Now, let's get into The Rack with your hosts, Dr. Chad and Dr. Nick all right everyone welcome to another episode of in the rack podcast i'm your host chad and with me is my co-host and fellow physical therapist nick Uh, nick and i are excited about this episode as we have another guest on the show uh this guest we have on the show his name is john is it morrow Tomorrow, yes. M- Morrow? Morrow. Oh, yeah. perfect! I got it. Nailed it. Nailed you should have. You shouldn't have even asked. I know. I should just went with it, but I didn't want him to like be like, "That's yeah, not my thing." Um, but he is not only a pharmacist, but he is also the vice president of a company called the Herbal Path. Uh, the Herbal Path is in. You have two locations: one in Dover and one in Portsmouth. Um, and I found this the most interesting that this um, this company was founded in like 1997, which for me it's is like, cool. I mean, that's way ahead of its time. And yeah. I mean, I just well I know we'll get into this, but i'm I'd be really curious to see how that went and um how that kind of grew over time because that was a time period where uh <laughs> that was like really really like unknown territory to be playing around with um but it's it's not your run of the mill pharmacy it's it's a it's a natural pharmacy which is really really cool and really aligns with us very very much so um they specialize in natural remedies as well as alternatives to prescription drugs so um, you know, Nick and I are both huge proponents of that. We talk about that all the time. So I know we're both going to enjoy this conversation very much. So I know Nick's going to probably dive in the weeds pretty strongly because yeah. he's, he's, this is jam. We, we won't get, we won't um, get too
2: in the weeds. And let's just put the disclaimer out there right now that we're not anti-medication by any means. Okay. That's we wanted to bring. John, John is, is he has the background in both traditional conventional pharmacy as well as more of this more holistic, natural right. alternative medicine. Um, but it's awesome. We have a pharmacist that doesn't just sling drugs. Um, I know. It's pretty sweet. That, it is pretty sweet. we were sweet. able to get linked up with John. It is pretty so, sweet. So, John, why don't you go ahead and tell us tell us a little bit about your story, your yeah. background?
0: Yes, thank you. And I appreciate both of you having me on the podcast Absolutely. today. Um, it's great to get to meet practitioners that, that have this vision of holistic health and wellness. For sure. Um, and when I think about my journey into the herbal world, it really starts for me as a student. That's how I came to know the herbal path while I was going to pharmacy school. And we got this experience of completing clinical rotations, right? So when we're training to be a pharmacist, we have to do one in a hospital, one in a retail drugstore, and so on and so forth. But we always get an elective rotation. So I had the ability to choose my own rotation. And at the time, there was one that was offered at the herbal path. And It oh, was an alternative thinking. medicine pharmacy funny. rotation, and I really didn't know what to expect, so I signed up for it. I was curious. nice sounded different. And as we have this conversation here, you know, I think back to that first day, my rotation, I meet my preceptor. All my other rotations, they were with pharmacists in the lab coat, the yeah. tie. You, you know the typical yeah, totally, get-ups, right? Um, But this gentleman, you know, I meet him. He's got like a flannel shirt on, (laughs) leaves on his jacket. You know, he had clearly just come in from the outdoors. I walk into the herbal path and there's this aroma of essential oils, lavender. Um, They had some very soothing music playing. It was just very relaxing and peaceful and very unlike anything that I'd encountered in, in my rotations to date. And I remember meeting this gentleman and just the, the sense of calm that overwhelmed me, I hadn't really seen that in a pharmacist before. And I'd met a lot of them yeah, at that point. That's interesting, yeah. And then, you know, he said, John, we're, we're going to go out today. And his, his name was Greg, um, Greg McCrone. And he's since passed, but he became a mentor and a friend later on. But um, he said, you know, we're going to go out and see how medicine is made. And it was just such an interesting statement. And I'm like, wow, you know, what did I get myself into, right? (laughs) You know, in in day one. Um, But he drove to a field and we went, we walked into that field and he starts identifying plants that are there and telling me about the phytochemistry in each of the plants and alkaloids that can help with inflammation and, you know, and just um, all sorts of different, um, root phytochemicals for, for the pharmaceuticals, right so this is in, in an essence going back to the roots of pharmacy and I was just forever changed by that moment in time that experience and, and you know when I went on, I, I went through conventional pharmacy, graduated, got licensed, became a registered pharmacist, um, worked for one of the major drugstore chains for about eight and a half years. but I never forgot that rotation and i think a really important thing that i learned through my time at the herbal path as a student but also my time as a pharmacist in conventional medicine is that there's a fundamental shift right with thought in holistic health and wellness we're trying to go and identify root cause for something so if it's a headache i'll use a headache as an example And I think about, okay, the conventional way might be, can we use an anti-inflammatory? Can we use naproxen? Can we use a leave? All these different things to help with the pain. But in the holistic realm, you look at, well, why do we have that headache to begin with, right? So it's a totally different mindset. And I think that mindset is ultimately what drove me back to holistic health and wellness. So that's a little bit about kind of why why I would gravitate towards that direction as a pharmacist.
2: That's, yeah, that's awesome because I, I think all medical pro- providers, anyone in the health space, even co- strength coaches, anyone who's working with people to better their health, I feel like needs to have a little bit of that mindset where it's like, okay, cool, we have the conventional way, which has a place. Right. It's not to say everyone wants to think very black and white. I talk about this a lot on the podcast where everyone's got that like kind of bipartisan viewpoint where it's like, OK, if it's not this, then it's that. And they just want to be on one side. It's like, well, if you're saying alternative medicine's the answer, then you're saying that Western medicine doesn't have a place. It's like, no, I'm not. I'm saying that it does have a place. It's just we probably overuse that and we don't respect the alternative side. And we probably need more of the alternative side because a lot of the stuff we're dealing with is is lifestyle behavior, you know, nutrition related and the, you know, alternative side is what can target that really, really well, you know? So I think it's really interesting that, that you had that, that pretty awesome experience that more people need to go through in that, in, 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 within whatever field they're working, whether it's, you know, um, prescribing meds or if they're in a, you know, a fitness coach, a health coach, whatever it is. I think that's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that in this is very comparable to your experiences finding the root cause of a problem, right? Versus treating symptoms is very much across all professions in the medical field. I, you know, I mean, for us, especially uh, as physical therapists, I feel that a lot of people get lost in treating symptoms, whether it's because they're either too busy or maybe they do physically lack the knowledge to understand where the root cause is coming from. I don't know. Um, But either way, um, I feel like that is the defining moment where it's like, all right, I can can actually solve problems, you know what I mean? As opposed to just treat symptoms. Like maybe, yeah, you do help somebody with their headache, you know, for a day, but then they keep coming back. You know, those models are just, I mean, I think they're just overutilized in the sense where it's just like we keep on driving these people just to like continue to need us, but maybe we don't need that to happen. Maybe we can get them to feel better and then they can take care of themselves and then they don't have to keep on coming back repetitively and imp- repetitively like
2: the medical system has done for years. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it sounds like you have found a home, the path, um, which is awesome. Why don't you just, just give everybody kind of like a um, you know a glimpse of what it's like to you know be a customer at Herbal Path. How, how how it works? Is it like a you know just like a GNC or a vitamin shop, or is it like a pharmacy? Kind of a blend of 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 the two, or something
0: totally different? I think it's a, a really good question. And the Herbal Path is a pharmacy, but it's a pharmacy without prescription medication. And what we're really looking at is a return to pharmacy's roots, because if you look back through ancient tradition, a lot of the first therapeutics, they, they came from plants, right? So, you know, the traditional pharmacist used to be someone who was grinding up different herbs and making something, right, and using the materials that are present on the land. So a lot of what we bring to the table is more of those traditional remedies herbal tinctures, medicinal mushrooms, cannabis-based preparations as well, um, and using some of that phytochemistry to help people with a variety of ailments, you know? And the pharmacist really comes into play here because we're able to screen for potential interactions with people's prescriptions if they happen to be on them. And what it feels like when you walk into the herbal path is it feels like you're walking into a bit of a different world, and I, I think that you know going back to the first time I walked into the herbal path as as a student and also kind of as a customer, you're going to notice those essential oils, you know, the herbs that are displayed, the medicinal mushrooms that are outlined, right? We have an herb counter, right where we have um, wild crafted medicinal mushrooms that are kind of on display for people to look at. And the two stores are a little different. You know, the Dover location has been there the longest, right? Like you said in the beginning, we've been there since 1997. And that's gone through several iterations and remodelings and so on and so forth. And and now is a fairly large location when you walk in. We actually have a kitchen attached to it called the Earth's Harvest Kitchen. It's a restaurant um, with good, clean food. Um, there's a Journey to Wellness suite next door, which has a lot of local practitioners or holistic practitioners practicing there. So, so it's, it's a larger building. The Portsmouth location, it's a little different. It's, it's a smaller physical, you know, square footage location, um, but it's almost more like a traditional apothecary. You walk in, there's more dried herbs. It has more of a boutique feel to it. Um, but we have that knowledge and expertise present in both. So the biggest thing that the customer notices besides the environment is they notice the knowledge, the questions, right? We're always going to ask questions and try to help somebody find the best possible solution for their situation, not just try to sell them something. That is I think the biggest distinction between us in a place like GNC or vitamin shop is, you know, we are constantly pursuing continuing education. As a pharmacist, knowledge like this it's not taught in pharmacy school, so I've had to do a lot of um, certifications on my own. Um, But it's really fun with the staff there because some of the herbalists, like Mimi, for example, is one of our senior herbalists, and she'll be sending me, um, you know, articles on herbs, and she'll be like, "John, what do you think about this?" And there'll be all this involved information, and then I'll (laughs) read through it, and I'll send her something on medicinal mushrooms. So we kind of Help each other along. And I think that our customers pick up on that. There's a different um, array of services that are provided, right? So there's the shopping experience. So if I just come in, walk in, and want to buy something, I can, you know. If I want to come in and talk to a pharmacist, have a more in depth conversation, that can be done too and you know we do offer consultations with our herbalists like if somebody wants to sit down and just talk about herbal medicine and go over what they're currently taking for prescriptions and things of that nature so that so there's so many different layers to what we do but i think it starts at the core philosophy the environment and also the time that we're able to spend with people and that's the the last thing i'll say about the experience If we do need to spend more time with people, we will. And I know in conventional pharmacy, that was continuously a frustration for me. If I needed to have a conversation with someone that took longer than two minutes or longer than five minutes, that pressure kind of got in the way. Whereas here you know we're able to spend time with people if we need to so hopefully that paints a picture yeah, absolutely. for what it I mean, what it might look like for someone that it
2: sounds a lot like our model ah, very so much i so. think for our listeners yeah. like just imagine our model but now it's related to your your you know supplements and nutrition and that kind of thing as opposed to okay we're going to move some weights here you know but same same type of feel same type of model um all about the Um, The experience that you you get and the feelings you get when you come in and then when you leave is that's pretty awesome. Um, I think one thing that's important for um, I think listeners to and John, you can probably talk more on this, but you you mentioned kind of going back to the roots and nature has pretty much given us everything that we need, you know, to to lead a healthy life. And sometimes, yes, medications may need to be you know, input to kind of help us over a hurdle or something like that. But nonetheless, you're going back to, to our, our ancestral roots. And I talk about that a lot. I mean, I'm sure many of our listeners, if they've worked with me, they're like, Oh, here you go. I'm Talking about evolution <laughs> and ancestry. Um, but nonetheless, you know, I think it's important for people to know that, um, like I said, correct me if I'm wrong, pharmaceutical companies can't put a patent on something that's already in nature. Correct. That is like, correct. Yeah. So then What they try to do, from my understanding, is they try to basically, oh, this natural substance works. Let's go to a lab and try to create something that's as close as possible to it that we can, and then we can market that and sell it, right? That's a lot of what what, pharmaceuticals, like they find something in nature,
0: like willow bark Mm -hmm. would be, right? Like aspirin. And and I'll I'll give you other examples too. Uh, Medicinal mushrooms, for instance. We know that, and mycologists and people that study mushrooms know this as well, that there's such a diversity of biochemistry in a medicinal mushroom, right? Literally hundreds of different compounds. And 55% around uh, uh, or about of our novel therapeutics actually come from or have origin in medicinal mushrooms. Right, and, and I just, as a pharmacist, learning about the power of plants, but also medicinal mushrooms, you know, you have to wonder, would we benefit more from taking the, the natural product as opposed to using an isolated compound? And would we have less side effects as well, right? So, so there's these, these questions, but you're correct. I mean, it makes,
2: it makes so much sense like that, that, that would be the case. You know, if it's in nature, there's, we've been using it for a longer amount of time, right? So our bodies have seen it before at some point, right? And then the other thing is like, because it's in nature, nature is an ecosystem, right? But then we also have the internal ecosystems of our body and ecosystems need to stay balanced, right? So they help each other balance. Once we put something synthetic into that. It's plausible that that could disrupt said balance in some way, right? Like it might create balance somewhere, but then cause it elsewhere, cause it un, to be unbalanced elsewhere, which is, you know, where I've been, my head's been leaning more towards in the past couple of years where it's like, oh, okay, now I'm seeing things through a different lens, you know, and that's a, that's a big piece of it. And that's partly why I always bring up like, Hey, let's think about what our ancestors would have done with this in the past. right? I'll, you know? I'll
0: use, if I may, a, a yeah. great example. I think about the father of traditional Chinese medicine, right? So the Emperor Shen Nung, um, and this dates back, you know, roughly 2000 years or so. But here's someone who assembled, if you would, the first encyclopedia of er herbal medicine and extensively used medicinal mushrooms in a lot of the preparations that he would use to treat people, right? So he's regarded as kind of like the father of herbalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody who'd been in that field, but he used one mushroom, Ganoderma lucidum, which is also known as the reishi mushroom, very extensively. He referred to it as the mushroom of immortality. Um, but for a variety of common ailments, he would use this. And it was used in traditional Chinese medicine up to current day, and it still is used. Um, throughout that system or throughout that medical system. So I think it's interesting where these tra- um, traditions are carried on over time. And you see it dating back literally, in some cases, thousands of years. And, you know, were our ancestors onto something, right? And I think the answer is, is yeah. they yeah, were, absolutely. <laughs> right? Yeah.
2: absolutely. You know, I think it's, you can look at other animals too, right? Like you look at an animal in nature. And there's, there's, you know, reports of this all over where it's like, oh, the animal appears to be sick and ill. Like you can see the animal acting differently. And then they kind of stay in one area and they're eating this one particular plant for a period of time. And then they stop and they have this intuition, this intuitive ability to be like, okay, I'm not feeling good. I need to eat this certain thing in nature. And then they eat it until they're well. Right. And I talk about this with our our patients and, and clients all the time that as humans we have these intuitions too we have these instincts but culture kind of blocks that and then realistically suppresses that over time because we grow up in this this world um that we've created and and you know we believe certain things we're taught certain things so you have these instincts and i think that that creates a lot of friction for people and that could be you know we could dive into like oh yeah people are having these these Um, these increased anxieties and things like that, because their brain is, is, is trying to think a certain way. And then society's telling them it's the opposite or it's a different way. And then you have this, this almost like internal headbutting going on. But I, you know, I encourage people to, to try to, try to tap into that a little bit. Hey, what, what's your body telling you? You know, like, don't, don't, your gut feeling is there for a reason. Don't disregard that. Feel what that's, you know, what that's telling you. And then, kind of cross-reference it between, you know, information you find online and information you get from a, um, a, a quote unquote expert in something and, uh, you know, see what works for you and your family and your health, uh, because it's important. Like that's there for a reason. And I think a lot of times our modern world kind of blocks and suppresses that. And that's, I think it's a big, big thing that we need to turn back to. And, and in doing more of this holistic, you know, alternative medicine, we're, we're, respecting that we're going back to some of that intuition and that that instinctual behavior i think it's great yeah uh, where do you want to go next now this this is this is good we've mentioned yeah. mushrooms a lot i love it i love it yeah we Mush- were talking about this before we're like i wonder yeah.
0: how he feels about that you know? well
2: i and, and i think we I, know now i think a lot of people yeah <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah. yeah i
0: think we've talked about him a couple times yeah, yeah right for sure yeah.
2: and it's funny because i uh, like i said i i i said before we we hit the record button that I got into them a couple of years ago personally, because I had been dealing with pretty much allergies 365 days of the year I was on, you know, just chronic allergy antihistamines. And I, I, I found Paul Stamets who's, who's, you know, considered one of the kind of gurus of the medicinal medicine, uh, mushroom world. And he, I started like watching some of his videos, reading some of his stuff and I'm like, man, this is really interesting. And he was talking, one of the stories that always sticks out to me, I think it was, I think it was chaga, but he was talking about how these like mushrooms, they're fungus and they're not considered a plant, right? Because their cell structure is different and their cell structure is much more consistent with that of humans and animals than it is of plants. And he's talking about this and I'm like, well, that's crazy. And then he, he, he gets into talking about chaga and he's like, yeah, chaga is literally something that can be cancerous to birch trees, but then it actually fights cancer in humans because the cell structure is so similar to the human animal but different from the plant and I was like whoa like boom had exploded and I was like that's crazy so I dove into it and I started playing around with it learning about you know immune balance and and all these different immune cells and all that kind of stuff and then started taking this the the statement seven uh medicinal mushroom powder and I don't take allergy medicine days a year anymore and I rarely take it like occasionally I'll have a a flare-up but overall, like it's, it's been huge for me. And is that the only thing? No, not necessarily, but I think it's been, it's been fantastic for my personal health and,
0: and helping, um, you know, get to the root of what I was dealing with. Um, you know, and, for, and that's for so long. amazing to hear. And I think, you know, with medicinal mushrooms, there's just so much variety that, that you can look out with them, variety and diversity of biochemistry. And, you know, we talked about what ancient traditions were out there and what the ancients used. And you see, you know, certain um, parts of this country, right? Indigenous peoples would use agaricon, which is a medicinal mushroom that grows in old growth forests in the great Northwest, uh, Pacific Northwest, and and also up in British Columbia. Um, And the shaman would refer to these as the bread of ghosts, you know, and there were these mystical traditions around this mushroom that you know takes about a hundred years right it's it's growing like for over a hundred years these things grow and develop but the level of diversity of biochemistry in these is very unique in that they're both antimicrobial and antiviral and they're not toxic to people and i think we don't really have a lot of in the pharmaceutical world both dual antivirals and dual antibiotics, right? I, I can't really think of anything off the yeah, top of my for head. Sure, for sure. But yet we're finding this in a in a medicinal mushroom, right? Yeah. Or if
2: it is both antibacterial and anti it's it's wiping out too much. It right? might be really yeah, toxic. Exactly. Right? It might be so mm-hmm. powerful that it's just wiping out your 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 healthy stuff too. Yeah, no, that's I mean the whole when you start to look into some of the, and I'm, I've am i just more recently started to get into the world of, of herbs, um, and you start to see some of the stuff, and you're like, man, this is like, this culture's been using this for, for this type of thing. I mean, the other day, I was looking into um, some of the stuff, like the anti-parasitic herbs and things like that, and you look at a, a place like India that has a lot of issues with parasites, you know, and, and there's reasons for certain herbs in their cuisine because of you know, the, the high rates of parasites and, you know, they're using, um, you know, herbs like Malia and, and Vidanga and things like that. And, and they serve a purpose because they're anti-parasitic. But when you actually look into those herbs, they're also antibacterial and antiviral to some extent, they're just more antiparasitic, So they're all, they all tend to have some level of like a broad spectrum, you know, kind of, kind of approach to the herbs. And, and it makes sense because they need to survive too in nature. Right. And, and, we all, like I said before, with the ecosystem, we're all exposed to viruses, bacteria, fungus, you know, parasites. It's all it's all out there. It's just a matter of if one is allowed to become, you know, it's allowed to blossom. It's allowed to just run rampant, run free without any kind of a balancing um, act. And that's really what the goal is, trying to stay balanced. It's not about wiping out everything completely, right? It needs to, it just can't be in, in levels
0: and loads that are so high that now it poses issues. And I think that's another thing that I notice about herbal medicine and about alternative medicine. It tends to be very gentle on the body, right? And I'll use cannabis as another great example. Um, but you know, you can use CBD for a wide variety of things, right? Whether it be inflammation, um, whether it be headaches and pain or anxiety, right? There are all these different things that people can use this plant for and find benefit, but it has a wide-ranging effect on our body that tends to be very gentle and very supportive. And that's how a lot of plants will act. Um, I think back to my time when I first joined the herbal path, and I remember learning from Mimi, you know, one of our herbalists, that we need to think about the characteristics of the plant, not necessarily... It will do this, or it will do that, right? And I think that's more of an allopathic um, yeah. pharmacist mindset. Yeah, yeah. Whereas an herbalist, they look at the characteristics of a plant. You know, is it warm? Is it cooling? What is yeah. its phytochemistry yeah. like? Yeah. To see, you know, almost like matching it, right? So I, I think of herbalists, and and I think this is how Mimi explained it, as matchmakers between plant and person. You know, finding the right plant for that particular individual. Yeah. And it does go back, like you said, to balancing. Because if you have that balance, your, your body tends to react better to something. And we have this term in, in physiology called homeostasis, right? And we as humans are, and that means everything is in balance, right? Um, so we as humans, you know, we, we are physiologically in a good place when we're balanced, when we're in this homeostatic place. And there are things that can disrupt this, like chronic stress or, you know, this, this situation of inflammation, right? Chronic inflammation. And how a lot of the herbs work and how a lot of the medicinal mushrooms work is helping to bring us back into balance, right? Very different than, than how a, a pharmaceutical would work. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I love that you touched upon that. They're gentle. Right. And the the other thing I love about that, that gentle aspect, and um, that's really cool that you talked about how the herbalist will try to find, be the matchmaker, because I think that's the other thing, too, is like when you have a doctor that prescribes a medication for, you know, a particular symptom and say it doesn't work. Well, I mean, sometimes there's different classifications of meds that will do a similar thing, but then it's like, okay, well, I don't really know where to go next versus in the world of herbs. If you try something and maybe it's a little too aggressive, well, there's another herb that has some, some similar effects that you could try. Like maybe that's just not the right herb for you, you know? So that's, that's the other thing I love about the world, world of herbs is you're going to have a lot of these things that have some of that broad spectrum effect. So if this one doesn't sit well with you. Okay, well, let's try another one and see if that's a better match for your particular physiology. And that's one thing I love about it. Versus, you're not going to see that as much with with pharmaceutical drugs. You know, if it doesn't work, okay, let's just let's either send you to someone else or
0: try this complete other classification of drugs. That's still going to have side effects. Yeah. It, yeah, and I think, and if I may, absolutely, um, you know, Molly, one of our herbalists, in, in the Portsmouth store, she's a manager, but also our herbalist there. Um, She'll take the time, you know, to do a consultation with someone, and it's very individualized, right, to that person. And she'll go through the plants that seem to work best for their certain situation and then write up something for them at the end of it, sort of as a recap. But the level of feedback that I've gotten from people on that experience has been very positive. Um, I think the public is interested in, in what we're doing. Um, I think other practitioners such as yourselves are also interested. And I'm just encouraged to see this paradigm shift that is starting in, in conventional medicine, where you have practitioners, you have physicians that are starting to recognize, okay, maybe there is a place for herbs and for other natural remedies um, alongside what, what is, you know, conventional medicine. And like you said, in the beginning, it's not to say that we can't use conventional medicine. We should, yeah. you know, it's there. Yeah. It's there for a reason. Absolutely. But let's think about the plants as well. Yeah. 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 We
2: need to find that, that it, uh, along with find, keeping our bodies balanced or in that state of balance, we need to find a balance between conventional, you know, conventional me- medical system and the old, uh, the old ancestral way. Um, great book uh, ca- called the new old way, which is just about that. It's, it, it he kind of goes into Frank Thorn Site, I don't know how to say it. But nonetheless, he um he goes into that concept of we need to blend the new and the old way as it relates to pretty much all aspects of life, not just the the pharmaceuticals, but movement, right? Because we don't move as much as we used to. So he talks about that piece, he talks about the nutrition. Nutrition is different than it used to be. Can you find a way to blend the two? Um and I think it's a really, really um useful thing for people to think that way when it's like okay i i do this in my life or I'm, I'm trying to get healthier okay what what would my ancestors have done and then what can i how can i kind of mold that into what i'm doing now in that regard you know and i think it's it's very impactful when people start to think that way because it's going to be different for everybody you know no one's movement profile is going to be the same like from our perspective as physical therapists no one's going to have the same movement profile, but with the vast majority of people, because most people are doing work on a computer, we're just trying to get them to move more. So whatever that means for them, then we got to do that, right? Because if I try to impress upon you the way I do it, it's probably not going to work because it won't stick. It won't make sense to you or you won't be able to to maintain it. You know, so we got to find what's going to work for that particular person. Yeah. Um, cool. You, you kind of already touched upon um, some specific examples, but I think it's, it's, Let's, let's maybe do a couple more just because I think for people listening, this might be completely new to them. So you talked about the, the mushrooms, um, you talked about some CBD, like what's another example of how an herb could be used for some kind of condition, whether it's, you know, an acute condition, let's do, how about that? Let's do one for an acute condition like an acute illness, and then one, maybe someone's dealing with chronic, you know, fatigue, chronic headaches, something like that. Um, what would be like an example of using an herb for those types of things?
0: Yeah. And, and I'll pick an example that I, I don't know if many have heard of this or not. Um, it's called Nigella sativa. And the common name for it is black seed oil. Um, but this is something that has been used extensively throughout the world, mostly in the Middle East, um, and is mentioned in in certain texts um, as ancient as the Quran, is the cure for everything but death, um, was how it was referred to by the ancients, right? And I think it's interesting because when we look at the phytochemistry of this particular plant oil, there's such a wide diversity here. And I think of in an acute situation, if I have that that immediate um, headache, or you know, maybe I have a really bad injury where I've just injured myself, you could use black cumin seed oil to support the body's ability to dull down some of that inflammation, right? So I think of inflammatory situations, and this is one of my my top choices um, in in my um, repertoire of, of options. And when we think about chronic, you could also think of this to be used for chronic inflammatory situations as well, right? So, you know, thinking about supporting the body's ability to deal with fibromyalgia um, or potentially even um, digestive issues, thinking about, too, um, balancing sugar, blood sugar. Sometimes this exactly. is used yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and a really interesting use, and in, in this is something that is more documented in the Middle East, is using it for vitiligo. So there's changes in about yeah, us, there it, yeah. skin pigmentation, right? And there's actually yeah. some clinical literature on it. Um, one, and also for for your listeners, one of the best sources that I use for information is PubMed. Um, literally, you can go on to PubMed and you can find a ton of different research and trials. Mind you, a lot of it is going to be from overseas, you know, because we don't do a lot of research on natural preparations here in the States. Um, predominantly for some of the reasons we've we've discussed already. Yeah. Um, but looking at countries like France, Germany, Italy, um, some of the Middle Eastern countries, Iran, Israel, they do research and clinical trials on these things. And there's just so many different examples of where black seed oil yeah. or Nigella sativa comes up again and again. Yeah. And, and yeah. I've listed some of them. There was even a trial that was done comparing it to Tylenol. Um, and they, they did find that the black seed oil was more beneficial. No way. So it's just, it's really like interesting as a pharmacist when I see this stuff. And, you know, we have to be very careful, right? Like I'm, I'm not saying that we cure, treat disease or anything no, no, like no. that. And I'm not saying people shouldn't follow their doctor's instructions. But what I do think is that some of these plants might be worth looking at for, for sure, people. For sure, for sure. And I think of your your um, explanation, Nick, where you were talking about how, okay, there's there's an acute situation and there's a chronic situation, this is a plant or an herb that comes to mind that has application in both of those it's really cool situations. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I know that obviously we're we're kind of uh,
2: moving beyond it a little bit, I think, but I think it's still an issue, and we don't we don't typically say the word on here because we don't want to get <laughs> we don't want to get uh you know, canceled. But a the a virus that shall not be named. I know black human seed was shown to be very effective for that in other countries, you know, so I know a lot of people had turned to that um, you know, kinda
0: um, under the radar. And, uh, I'll, I'll yeah. mention one more thing for the lungs. Yeah. And I think that might be why you're you're for referencing sure. yeah. that. Um, but it was used as a traditional treatment for asthma, you know, so yeah. a traditional remedy for, yeah. for asthma in parts of the world that don't necessarily have access. To some of the medical equipment we have here in mm-hmm. the states it's still used to yeah. this day yeah um and for very good reason it's very anti-inflammatory for the lungs yeah. and for certain receptors on the yeah. lungs as well so yeah. and I, like you had you had said it and i was gonna kind of piggyback
2: off you with the whole um blood sugar regulation of black black cumin seed oil but it is a big thing and i think a lot of people don't realize that uh, blood sugar dysregulation is can be a problem for a lot of people, not just those diagnosed with diabetes or have actual clinical diabetes. I mean, blood sugar dysregulation can be a problem for babies not sleeping well, you know, like they, they may have some, some issues with it and it can be stress related. It can be dietary, diet related, nutrition related. Um, you know, it can be physical activity related. So blood sugar dysregulation is not something that is just means you have diabetes. You can have levels of it. It's, it's, it's a spectrum, right? So, um, something like black cumin seed could be vastly beneficial for for something like that and it wouldn't necessarily mean oh i don't have diabetes i don't need to use that herb no it's an herb it's not a medication it's not like we're putting you on insulin it's it's just something to kind of help your body uh, deal with that um, but in that regard it's like oh if it is physical activity related and someone is maybe doing an excessive amount of activity whether it's maybe they're training for an Ironman or something like that or a marathon well okay then we also have to like evaluate the other factors and that's something that that we're you know big on here it's like hey look you have you have this orthopedic pain you have this issue um, yeah we're going to work on like what might be the root cause of that from a musculoskeletal perspective but let's also think about the rest of your life too is that impacting it in any, in any way are you overly stressed are you not coping with stress well are you sleeping enough you know are you getting adequate sunlight What's your nutrition like? Do you have adequate, you know, vitamins and minerals in your body or are you deficient in something, right? So now we start turning, turning the wheels and going down all these avenues and saying, okay, let's, let's, let's manage the stuff we can manage. Let's focus on all these controllables because this is all, most of this stuff, you know, that we're talking about first is free. Let's work there first before we spend a ton of money on, on some of the other stuff. Um, no, but I love like all the things you said about black community. That's, it's, it's really, really cool. The
0: like vast effects that some of these things can have. Can I do one more? Absolutely. Go for it. Um, Please so, do. So this is another favorite of mine, and it's a favorite of mine because I, I see it as being fairly unique in the herbal world, um, and I'll explain why that is, um, but there's an herb and it's called milk thistle, um, and this is one where you know, I think about its application being very relevant for people that are on a lot of prescription medication. Right. So prescription medication can be and often is rough on your liver. And milk thistle is an herb that we use to support the liver. And the interesting thing about milk thistle is it's a true liver restorative, right? So it's actually helping to restore some of the liver's functionality as it gets stressed by the toxic load that we we may place on our bodies. And there's a lot of plants and herbs out there that help the liver do its job better. But milk thistle is one of the only ones I'm aware of that helps the liver restore. Nice. So okay. I, I'm a big fan of it for yeah. that reason. silymarin is the, the active ingredient or active component of, yeah. of milk thistle.
2: Yeah. But there's
0: a lot of other phytochemicals in there as well. And we have had a lot of success with it. In terms of people, you know, being able to help manage some of their liver conditions or deal with with some of that load of prescription medication. Um, So it's one of my favorite things to recommend for people. And the other thing about milk, milk thistle is it's helping the liver and in natural medicine there's a lot of focus on the liver, you know, how can we support the liver? You know, everything in our body kind of goes through the liver, you know, the the food we eat, the medication we consume, eventually metabolites make their way through the liver, right? Um, So whatever we can do to support it, especially in today's world, right, of highly processed foods and constant stress is a good thing as, as well. Um, and that's why milk thistle is, is one of my favorites.
2: Yeah. I I think, um, people just think of the liver as being just this, uh, this filter, but it's way more than that. It has so many functions in the body. I mean, even just think, you know, I know this is pertinent, uh, to Chad with, with the thyroid, but it, the most of the conversion from T4 to T3 thyroid hormone happens in the liver, right? So it does way more than just detoxify your body. Yes. That's a big piece of it, but there's a lot of functions It even, it it even helps control, um, and regulate blood glucose through, through its glucagon storage. So the, the, the liver has way more functions than just, oh, it's just this filter in our body that, that, you know, it, it, it works really hard after I drink alcohol. No, it does way more than that. And I'm, I'm a big proponent of, uh, um, and I've been having this conversation a lot more with people lately is I think everyone should have some love, some, some liver support, um, herb or supplement at home that they have on hand, you know, maybe not to take all the time, but if you know that your toxic load, like you said, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, where all the things and go back to listen to that one, I don't know what it is, but um it's one of yeah. it's a couple of them. It is. A, a yeah. couple of things I've 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 harped on this, but we are under barrage from our modern world and the toxins. There's over seventy seven thousand man made chemicals in our modern world, right? So that's and that's just a piece of it. There's so many other um, you know, things you could talk about with toxins from Know, EMF um to just our water supply right so we're all under this this barrage from the the toxins in our world so having something additional to support the liver i i personally think isn't a bad idea right yes you should probably look at how do i mitigate and remove some of those toxins in my life but nonetheless like I said, where some of them are inescapable. Is it inescapable? Unescapable? 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 I don't know. Yeah. That's weird. I'm not, I'm not an English (laughs) guy. I'm not an English (laughs) major. So, um, but nonetheless, I, I I think milk thistle, I I love that you mentioned that should, is something that maybe everyone should have in their medicine cabinet, right? Like we don't just need Tylenol, ibuprofen, like the, the actual pharmaceuticals in the medicine cabinet have some herbs on hand, right? I think that's a great idea. So I like that. Uh, any others for the liver that you can, you can give
0: people? That? I'm thinking more of, you know, another concept, and if you, yeah. if you don't mind.
2: Absolutely. Go for it. Um,
0: and I think about this. A, a lot of the weeds or what we consider to be weeds in, in our world are actually very powerful medicinal plants. And let's use the liver example, right? But there's another plant that we often think of as a weed that we may buy chemicals for to kill, that actually does a really good job supporting the liver. Um, and I'm thinking about dandelion. dandelion right? yeah. And, you know, here's something that there's so many good things that can come from this for the liver, for our water balance in the body, for our circulation. And yet, you know, you find them everywhere, right? yeah. And, and yeah. You know, I've had conversations with some of my um, friends that are not in this world We'll say, wow, you know, I can't get the perfect lawn and I keep trying to use all these weed killers, <laughs> yeah. right? But a lot of these weeds, if you would, are actually really helpful medicinal plants. So we d- see dandelion being one of them. We see Japanese knotweed being another one, very powerful source of antioxidants like resveratrol. Um, so so I think of the perfect combination for the liver being milk thistle, maybe something restorative, And then something like dandelion that's helping the liver maybe do its job a little bit better, right? And um, dandelion is actually a bitter, and bitters are excellent for the liver. You know, and there's a variety of them, you know, something as common as arugula or endive. Um, Artichoke is another one, right? You know, gentian is a true bitter. Um, So there's a lot of good bitters. And the reason I say bitters is because, you know, throughout history, different civilizations have started their meal with a handful of bitter greens, right? How many people in, in our realm in, in America are starting their meal with a handful of bitter greens, right? So so it's, it's useful to, to look at some of these ancient traditions and think, okay, how can that impact my health? And what might we do to incorporate those into day-to-day? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I, you know, from my knowledge of of bitters, bitters will help stimulate the gallbladder, which is then going to, you know, release bile into the, 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 the system. So then your liver can, can process stuff better because bile will, bile will bind up to things and, and help with the transport process and all that kind of stuff. And if your litter, if your gallbladder is, sluggish um you typically have a hard time digesting things but you also have a hard time breaking down toxins so um those bitters will help the gallbladder function which then both directly and indirectly helps the liver to kind of um smoothly move about the uh its processes yeah so bitters bitters can be fantastic so add more bitter foods to your diet people um yeah, yeah well yeah. said
0: yeah <laughs>
2: i love the uh um those those examples that's fantastic um I think the, the liver support herbs is, is, um, in my opinion, for people not dealing with anything specific at the moment, just, just in, in, in our modern lifestyle, I think the liver support stuff is, is probably the most important for people to just be aware of, um, just as like a baseline. Oh, what can I do? Well, oh, this will help your liver function and, and in, in doing so it'll help the rest of the body function. Cause every, you start to see, there's a reason that our, our ancestors were so kind of stuck on the liver is because a lot of times, once you kind of clear some of the liver stuff up, everything else just functions better, right? If that's, if that's congested and backed up, well, then everything else tends to suffer. your, your lymph gets stagnant. You can't flush out the, you know, the, the toxins from the rest of the body as well. You know, now your heart's going to have to work harder and pump. So you get more things circulating through and so on. So it just, you know, and then not to mention the gut, it might, you know, back the gut up um, a little bit and then You can get kidney issues, bladder issues, stuff like that. So it just, it's going to have a
0: trickle down effect to everything else. So the, the herbs to get the, but here, here we go. And this is back to that holistic mindset, right? Because everything that you just said, you're thinking about not just one organ or one system, but the interconnectedness. And I think that interconnectedness is very important for us to think about because that's how we help people in alternative medicine. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The it's, it's funny you mentioned that cause I just actually had
2: a patient who I've been seeing on and off for, for a while for just different, um, orthopedic issues. She came in the other day and, and basically, um, she came to see me after seeing the chiropractor and the chiropractor thought she had a, a, um, um, what the chiropractor would describe as a, like a subluxing rib. We could, we could debate that all, all day, but nonetheless, um, Came in, we were working on some some breathing and respiratory things as well as some other just trying to get the thoracic the, the the mid back, the thoracic spine moving. But nonetheless, um went to the chiropractor the like the day before she came to see me and then came to see me and was freaking out, clear, like visibly anxious. And I was like, What's up? And she was like, Well, the chiropractor was like, I told I told him I was still having some issues and like my neck was bothering me. And he was like, Huh, that's weird that it's not better yet. And I was like, First off, why would you say that to someone? <laughs> Secondly, um Okay, let's let's dive a little deeper and she she starts telling me about how yeah, it's like it's it's these ribs, but it's also like the right side of my neck and then my right hip and I'm like hmm thinking what's on your right side? Your liver's on your right side. So now I'm starting to talk to her about that type of a thing. Um so it was actually interesting. We t- we talked a little bit about milk thistle with her and I was like, "Hey, just kind of like we want to see where this goes if you do some some liver support." And then along with that, we talked about managing her stress cuz she was clearly outwardly anxious. Um, you know, take, taking taking a load off re- rest, relaxation, all that good stuff, prioritize sleep. But I was like, you know what, why don't we just maybe consider some of these, um, you know, liver supports and just see how you feel. We'll just trial it out because we know that if you do that, uh, there, it's not like a medication where there'd be some side effects, right? So we can, we can comfortably say, Hey, try this. If you're not feeling right, stop it. But, you know, see, see what happens, see how your body feels. And I'll be interested to see how her, her, um, you know, pain along those, those three points of her right side respond and see if we can get the liver, um, uncongested a little bit and see what happens. So we'll see. But yeah, it was an interesting. It just, you made me think of it by talking about how it's all connected. I love it. Um, I love it. It's yeah, it's a great model. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, we, um, I know we already kind of talked about your favorite, your favorite herbs. You, you mentioned a bunch of them, so we don't have to go there. Um, I don't want to get too crazy deep into, into the, uh, the conversation. I think, John, I think it would be great to, um, you know, get you back at some point and we can get like maybe more specific. Chad and I sometimes do a, um, um, a podcast where we talk about specific patient scenarios that we've been dealing with lately. I think it might be worthwhile to do one with you where we do, we, we almost bring those up, like the conversations we've been having with some of our patients' clients. And, and then you, you kind of give us your alternative medicine perspective, wh- where we might consider going, um, with the, those types of, of patients, clients, whether they're from a pain perspective or, you know, they just told us some other stuff, like they've been constipated for weeks and haven't gone to the bathroom and, you know, where, where they might go from there. I think that'd be interesting. Um, also for the listeners, we're probably going to have, uh, John come do a, um, some kind of a, a workshop, probably on medicinal mushrooms. Cause we mentioned it <laughs> quite a bit. So if anyone's interested, we're going to have, look, be on the lookout for that. Cause we're all for we'll sure. have that at some point um one question we ask a lot of people john before before the end is um today um you know to all the listeners just what's one one piece of health advice that you would give you know based on the, the experiences you've had in life based on the people you work with but what's one piece of health advice that you would you would give people that they could implement
0: today i would say one of the things that could help a great deal of people would be movement More movement. And you alluded to this earlier in in the discussion. And one of the things that's really hard for us is if our lymph gets stagnant, right? And you look at the way the human body is designed, the lymphatic system is everywhere, present everywhere. Congested lymph can cause a wide range of issues. And one of the simplest ways to move the lymph is to move our bodies, right? Whether it's going for a walk or You know, if we're physically able doing some measured resistance training, um, but just some form of physical activity. And I think that's something that, that could be free, right? You know, it doesn't require, you know, a charge or or a membership to a gym to go for a walk. Um, but I think that would be one thing that I'd, I'd love to leave the listeners with uh, movement. Yeah. Could do a wide range of good. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know it certainly helped me a lot too, because, in my time in conventional pharmacy, I wasn't really moving at all. You know, I, yeah. I was standing all day, but I was locked into one central position, for sure. you know, checking prescriptions and so on and yeah. so forth. In, in this realm, you know, being able to move around and, and go for a walk intermittently, I, I think it's really helped me a lot. And since I've done that, my biomarkers have improved a lot too, you know, things like cholesterol and and blood pressure. So just, just something to kind of have in the back of our minds in a world that is largely sedentary and sitting down and looking at a computer screen all day, you know, how can we remediate some of that and the effects on our physiology by getting up and uh, taking a walk?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Your, your heart, um. And your blood, your, heart, your blood vessels and blood have your heart to pump, but your lymphatic system doesn't really have a pump. So we need to move to get it moving. Uh, you know, your blood, if you're stagnant, can still pump, but your lymph is going to get stagnant if you are stagnant. So um, yeah, John has hit the nail on the head with that one. I love that. Um, there was one quote. I know Chad usually does his thing, but I wanted to bring up because that I thought it was interesting. Um, and I'm sure you've heard of John, but William Osler. I just had to make sure I had the the verbiage right. The person who takes medicine must recover twice, once from the disease and once from the medicine. I always think this is a really interesting quote um, because we often overlook the side effects. And John just gave us a bunch of examples of herbs that you know, really don't have side effects. They might not be the right herb for a person, which then can make them feel not great, but it's not typically gonna have detrimental side effects. So again, not to say that we shouldn't have Um, you know, modern, modern medicine um, in the way most people think of it. It's there. It's there for a reason. It does serve a purpose, but we're probably as a society putting um, way too many eggs in that basket and relying too heavily on it um, when we're overlooking some of the other stuff that could work um, without the nasty side effects of that, you know, and it's pretty cool that we have John here who is a pharmacist himself and he, he can kind of, he, he sees the whole picture um, and has been on both sides of the coin. So, I love it. Yeah. So, John, where can people find you? I mean, that now they're they're
1: hearing you. They're like, "This is the guy. I need to hear more. I want. I've got this thing that I want to talk to John about." Where can they find you? Whether it's like Instagram, whether it's your website, email, anything like that. Yeah,
0: definitely. Um, you know, we can. I think the easiest way for people to find us is just go to our website. You know, www.herbalpath.com. And it talks a little bit about the team and what we stand for. And we have the two locations. Um, One is in Portsmouth. One is in Dover. Um, Our phone number is 603-740-8400. And I'll give my email as well is john at herbalpath.com. And I also want to emphasize that, you know, it's great. I love it if people reach out to me. Um, But we've got so many good people on the team. Sure herbalists as well. And I think sometimes, you know, as a pharmacist, I'm going to these herbalists for advice on a particular thing to solve. So we've got herbalists like um, Jessica in our Dover store and Molly in our Portsmouth store. And then we have Mimi as well, who's also an herbalist. So so many people that have this knowledge and are just looking for opportunities to help people. Um, so a couple different ways to yes. to get in touch with us if people want to learn more. Yeah, I'll make
1: sure to link all that in the show notes too, so that they you know they don't have to listen to this recording a million times. So, um, no. <laughs> yeah. thank you very much, John. Not it's that good. they wouldn't want to hear. Yeah, it. yeah. of course, of course, of, course of course, yeah, yeah. No, this has been a great conversation. I can't wait to number one have part two, but also number two, I uh, can't wait to have you here and and uh, you know explaining more to the community how how much this can uh, be of value to yeah. them. So Absolutely. this is great. Thank you very much. Sean, Thanks for so being much. On the uh, glad to be here. Appreciate you. Thanks Appreciate for you. having me on. Yes.
0: Yeah. Thank
1: you for joining us in the rack this week. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can also find us online at proformptma.com or on social media at proformptma. And remember, if you train inside the rack,
0: you better be thinking outside the rack.